haven't done this for three years. <laughs> I retired from this. Um, so you're in for a ride. Um, when when uh, Susan, I think it's Susan, when she uh, welcomed you, she said, uh, those of you who are visiting with us for the first time, or the first time in a long time. Well, guess what? I'm first time in a long time. Uh, but maybe some of you even know my dad, John Parks. Did you know my dad or my mom, Elvira Parks? No. Well, I came to this church in uh, 1968, okay? And I don't remember a whole lot about it, but, but I do remember one particular thing because it happened in Sunday school. And, you know, I've, I've, over the years, I've taken part in Sunday school after Sunday school. I've helped prepare Sunday schools. I've helped plan what a Sunday school does. Uh, I guess you probably call it, what do you call it here? Religious education, yeah. Uh, huh? Okay, good. Thank you very much. Uh, but I remember of all my time with um, Sunday schools and things, I remember one class, and it was here. Uh, it was 1968, and it was 1968, right? Um, uh, and Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band had just come out. And we had a Sunday school or an exploration of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. I was 13 years old. And, and, and in true Unitarian fashion, we were looking for the meaning. Right? I mean, that's what we do in life, right? We, we look for the meaning of things. And, uh, in, and now as a Zen teacher, I think I know the meaning. Okay? It's this. Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Uh, sit back and let the evening go. Sergeant Pepper's one and only Lonely Hearts Club Band. Uh, sit back and enjoy the show or whatever. That's the meaning right there. And John Lennon would have told you the same thing. I think. I know, right? <laughs> so, um, and then, before there was yoga, you know, we have yoga now, and there's studios all over town, but before there was yoga, I took a yoga class in this room. Yeah? I mean, that's great, really. And, um, and now I'm back. Every Thursday night at 6.30, uh, we teach a, uh, we, we sit in meditation, and, uh, we sit with the koan, um, like the koan you just heard. Which is the true qian? Okay. Um, so, it's nice to be back. Thank you. Now, uh, I met Vincent Van Gogh. Yeah, huh? It was in New York City I met Vincent. I met him, he called me from across the room, all right? He, he called me from across the room. It was uh, Gallery 825 in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And I walked into the room, and there was this painting in the back. And I was just struck. And, you know, those aren't small galleries. You can see it, you know, the blues and the yellows from way across the room. And it was like I was in Vincent's presence and he was communicating with me. It's like it was painted yesterday for me to see today. 
with the, the, the yellows fading into brown, the blues, the ripeness of the harvest, flowers wilted, cut from the stalk, cut from the root. As I looked at the painting, I became aware of my own sadness, my own sense of having been cut, it, cut off from the root, the richness of, of life and color fading into night. But more than anything else, I felt a direct connection, like me sitting in the room with you. It's like Vincent saying, hey, David, right here, here I am, right, right here. And, 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 and the painting is such that it vibrates and, and communicates a certain newness and, and, um, and, 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 and vibrancy. It's alive. It's alive. Thomas Kelly, he's a Quaker. He was a Quaker in the 1940s and 50s. He spoke of the spiritual life. And, and when I, I say spiritual life, when, when, when I'm going to tell you what he said, it's really just life. It's not, you know, there's nothing special or spiritual about it. It's just life. And he said life or the spiritual life or life is a continually renewed immediacy. You get that? You know, it's like a rolling, you know, continually. And it's constantly, always made new, always changing, changing. And it's immediate. It's what we talk about nowadays. We say in the moment continually renewed immediacy. Um, all things are in movement, the world, the universe, everything is constantly changing, interconnected and changing, changing, changing. A few years ago I was teaching, you know, and, and um, I was trying to remember this phrase, I couldn't remember the phrase, and, and what I said and the way I taught it was wrong, but um, it was right too. I said, a continually renewed intimacy. That's what I had with Vincent. A continually renewed intimacy. It was that close. It was that close. In Zen sometimes we say, we talk about mingling eyebrows. And here it was, across time and across space, mingling eyebrows with Vincent Van Gogh. Blues and yellows. His melancholy, his sadness. Maybe, maybe the hope that, that exists in each one of those sunflower seeds. That, 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 that when we meet somebody, now, now, usually when we meet somebody, what we're doing is we're trying to kind of confirm our idea of the world and, and who they are and what I am and, and trying to make a good impression and make, make it all all right between me and him or her. And, and then uh, we, we never really meet. But to mingle eyebrows, it's an occasion for a, a marvelous affinity, an intimacy, in a way, as I stood, sat gazing at that photograph or the, the 
painting. It's as if I was feeling Vincent's sadness. It's as if I was Vincent for a second, for a moment. His melancholy, we've read about it. His ripeness to do that. And, and you read his letters, the hope that lives in the midst of that. Somehow, calling me across the room, across gallery 825, somehow. Yes, that's mine too. That's me too. We talk about spiritual experience, but I don't know. I wasn't in a church. I wasn't up on top of a mountain. I, wasn't, I was just in a gallery. But there was that... That, that feeling of, 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 of life just right there, coming together, mingling eyebrows across time, across space. It goes that far. And then it goes further. From that intimacy, we drop into the seamlessness of things into the grace that's everywhere. Just like, like Brian was saying, you know, it's in, the, it's in the joy, it's in the sorrow, it's in the good stuff, it's in the bad stuff. We meet, the bottom drops out, and, and, and from intimacy with one another, we, we, and you know this because it's happened to you. We drop, and somehow we know of this fabric. Somehow, and it, it's, it's like a knowing, a not knowing, but I, I, I sense it, and I'm here, oh, and I'm home. That's what we call it. I'm home. So in our lives, everything participates in this grace. Everything, we belong in this grace. The tree belongs in the grace. The flower belongs, the acorn, the squirrel. Your anger your sorrow, it all belongs in this seamless fabric. Everything in life is a gate. So Zen masters are, are asked, they're asked, what's the meaning of life? And they say, the oak tree in the garden. What's the meaning of life? Three pounds of flax. There happened to be a pile of um, flax. Three pounds of flax. What's the meaning of life? Two cut sunflowers on the table. Meaning of life. A dear friend is sitting on the porch one day. She's alone, and the sun is, sun is rising. And she can't describe it. Maybe this has happened to you. She can't describe it. And, and she says, it's just love. It's just love, this seamless fabric. And every one of us sitting in the room know that's, knows that that is home, right? We all know that. That's why you're here, probably, right? That's why you send your children off in hope, love, and faith, and all those things. You know about the fabric. A continuously renewed intimacy. It's who we are. Thus love, thus compassion, thus empathy. In this, we are most human. In our life, 
our most human. So um, since I left the household, throwing myself into the world as it is, okay, I've got a, a, a mat at my house. Um, and, and when we bought it, um, I, it, you know how it is when you're, you're in the driveway and you've got all this stuff and you only want to make one trip? <laughs> you know how it is, right? Right? You, you just kind of, you just take too much. You put something on your back. You, 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 you have a, you, oh, you know those shopping bags that you get at Kroger? You can like thread them and get four of them on one arm. I, I've done it, right? Right? So I'm coming back from Kohl's with Genevieve. Uh, and and um, I'm, I'm trying, and then finally it's like, oh, I got this welcome mat. I, I just threw it down, right? Just right in front of the door. I said, there it is. And she said, it's backwards. <laughs> so how's it backwards, right? It's like, it's like, uh, uh, oh, wait a minute. It's upside down. I'm walking into my house, right? And, it, and the welcome doesn't welcome me into the house, but you turn around, you come into the house, and the welcome mat is there, and it says, welcome. Oh. <laughs> okay. In life, we create a house. We create a self. We, 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 sometimes we say it like, like we say, oh, I know who I am. Right? I mean, how many of you said that? I've said it. I know who I am. Well, that's, that's the first problem. I know who I am. Because as soon as we know who we are, we need to defend that, don't we? It's like, I know who I am, so don't get close. <laughs> and we defend ourselves. So we create this nice little house that, that where we can feel like we're alive and, 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 and we can feel like, oh, at least I understand this much. And... Uh, And that's why I like the poem. It steps out of its house into the world. And you know what the world, you know what the universe says to you when you step into life? What's it say? Welcome. Welcome. Amen. Yeah, oh, this is Unitarian Church. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I had to do that once, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, welcome home. Welcome home into the vastness of things. Welcome home into the seamless fabric. Welcome home into grace. Welcome home into just this moment. That's Vincent saying, welcome home, David, in Gallery 825. Welcome home. Welcome home. And I loved, I loved what, too, what you did, Brian, when you said, well, where do you all feel spiritual? And, and you know, do you pray? There was, like, one hand. <laughs> and, then, and then who finds it in nature? And then we all raised our hands up, right? Yeah. You know, and we hear the call where we hear it. Our spiritual practice becomes our spiritual practice where it is. It doesn't have to be prayer. It doesn't have to be anything else. It's what resonates. It's what, it, it's what rings in your heart. 
Okay, so here we are. We're at home. We're in the university. How many of you feel that way all the time? Oh, well, really? Nobody. Good. <laughs> Me neither. Um, yeah, what, what about when you're significant another and you have a significant disagreement, right? You don't feel, oh, no, it's not vast and wonderful. My world feels like this. Um, or, you know, when things don't go your way, it's like, I'm getting in my house. You know, I've had enough of this. I'm just, I'm just going and, and it, it really happens, you know, for me, it's when I please other people or I, I think I need to please others. Um, that's hard. Because I begin to shape my life into what, it's not even what they think I should be, it's what I think they think I should be. How, you know? And, uh, or it's when I'm trying to hold on to control and I'm trying to say, okay, I'll control this moment so I know what's going to happen in the next. That's a big burden, too. And that's the point. That's when it happens. And that's right where the separation occurs. We retreat into the homes that we have built for ourselves, into the houses we built for ourselves. And uh, check out and, and feel estranged from the seamlessness. Um, it's like becoming, if, if, if we are this household of love, this wide embrace, if that's who we are, um, we're exiled. Estranged. I'm a stranger to myself when I'm not home. Uh, Hakuede Kaku, he was a uh, 16th century uh, Rinzai Zen master. He said, you know, he didn't say it like that, but I will. Uh, <laughs> you know, people miss what's in front of them and go searching far from home. It's right here. It's the seamless that's right here. And they go searching. We do it. I do it. You know, go searching far from home. Flowers will fall around us and, and beauty will wilt as we journey through jumbled mountains. We're, but we're feeling like we're homeless. We don't have anywhere to be. Uh, another verse of the poem that Hakuin wrote, he said, uh, it's, like a, uh, it's, it's like someone who is thirsty standing in water crying out for like someone standing in water crying out for thirst, or a child from a rich home struggling among the poor. You feel it? You know? You kind of, you kind of feel that. You know, uh, that, that sense of exile and, and being estranged and strange to your life, to this boundlessness that you're all a part of. So, um, but, but um, have faith. <laughs> There's a call. There's a call. No, oh, this is slide, please. 
Dongshan, uh, who was a Zen master and poet um, in 800-ish Tang Dynasty, he wrote this verse. He said, for whom do you bathe and make yourself beautiful? The cry of the cuckoo is calling you home. Hundreds of flowers fall, yet her voice isn't still. Even deep in jumbled mountains, it's calling clearly. So, you know, the, the, this vastness of things, the seamless quality of reality, is itself a call. It's love itself. And it always is there for us. Always. And it always calls. And we get into situations where, where if you're like, oh, God, this is a jumbled mountain. Where do I find my way through this problem? Or, oh, the flowers are falling all around me. What am I going to do? And yet, the cuckoo calls. The call is there. All right, on to our koan. This is what Zen masters do. They talk a lot about a lot of stuff, and then maybe they get to the koan, and maybe they even address it. <laughs> so Qian is separated from her soul. We've already talked about separation. And these koans, you've heard maybe, I've given you a few. What's the meaning of life? Oak tree in the garden. What's the meaning of life? Three pounds of flax. Of You know the sound of two hands clapping. What's the sound of one hand? It's not this. <laughs> Except on TV. Bart Simpson did that. So the, the koans are a gate. They're there for us to enter and to move into and through. You, you think this is a Chinese folktale, but Wuzu brings it right up into your life. And he says, which is the real Qian? Or who is the real when I get separated from my life, when I'm, when I'm laying in bed and sad, and, and, and then I, I say, okay, forget that. I'm going to go here and have a good life. And I'm going to, uh, you know, which one's true? A or B? B or A? And, and just a, a, a clue. Wuzu is tricking you. <laughs> He's asking you to make a choice. Chin and her soul are separated. Which is the true Chin? One has become two. Which is the true one of the two? There's a clue right there. One has become two. What's the true one of the two? She's lying in bed, abdicated her life, comatose almost because something sad happened. And she lives apart. Because she can't face the brokenness. And, oh gosh, she gets to fall in love and have children. Now most of us, oh, this is the true one, right? I like this. But what about this? <laughs> you know? So the other day, I was uh, speaking with a friend, a Zen friend in California. And she was deep into her dark night. She, did not, she said, this life doesn't belong to me. This is not my life. That's a big clue there. 
This is not the life that I should be living. And she was a successful PhD student in neuropsychology. I mean, she was like getting there. But she said, this is not my life. I don't belong to this life. She was carrying beliefs about herself that, that she was unworthy of love and that, that she, was, she was bound up in her work. Gosh, you know, all of us carry that, right? One time or other. And, and she was cut off and estranged from herself. And while we're talking, it's, uh, we're on Skype, and I, I use a, a little one lavalier or, or headphone, headset, and my rooster calls. And she says, do you have a rooster? I say, yeah, yeah, and 17 chickens. I used to have a rooster in Africa, in my home. And, and you can see something's lifted in her. And, 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 and he used to wander the neighborhood, visiting all the neighborhood chickens. I said, oh, why? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> but, but as I was speaking with her, I, I could feel, some, you know, 3,000 miles away on a screen, I could feel something coming together. And, and then she started to speak of her home in Africa. And what it was like to live in the village and have the rooster wandering and, and how her friends, you know, and, and she would do this or do that. And, 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 and you could see that something had lifted, that something had come together in her life. And, and I said, oh, that's really good. That's, that's great. And I said, you know, what about everything you were telling me? And she said, well, you know, that's there too. I said, yeah. And I really feel for myself when I'm feeling like this. See, that's different. That, that's, that's a gesture of kindness and compassion towards herself. One chin comes like this. One chin comes like that. Which is the true chien? Throw. I, I told Brian before I came, I have to bring up some kind of Unitarian sort of person, right? <laughs> so Thoreau, now the standing O's, everybody. He said he went, and you all know this, he said he went to, to Walden Pond to front the essentials of life. And I think if, if, you're, if you're a Zen person, you'd say to, to confront life as it is. The essentials, what's really here. And what's really here? Happiness? Sadness. What's really here? Of love and compassion? Meanness and whatever. Being at home? Feeling homeless. All those things are the essentials of life. They're what are there. How do I know that? Well, I, I have a human mind and body, and I know that. You know that. And he wants to front those essentials, incorporate all of it into a seamless. In, in, incorporate it all, the perception. He, he wants to find a perception of the seamless whole that includes everything before separation. 
So belonging, right? You're all talking about belonging. You belong. That's the end of that story. I don't know why you took a whole month to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> and this painting is the song of the lark, not a cuckoo, but, but it, it's that moment at dawn. The lark, the lark symbolizes uh, the, uh, the dawning, the newness. And she's, she's working. Call home. The call from the call from separateness into seamlessness. Finding ourselves in the changes of life, in the midst of life. The oak tree in the garden, the sun as it rises over the porch, the song of the lark. And there, in the moment, we turn towards ourselves, towards our big selves, really. We turn towards ourselves, And in the turning, we turn into ourselves, into who we are, the vastness, love, compassion, grace, a piece of the seamless whole. It's who we are, no matter who. What do you say when you're done with this? So blessed be, right? Or I say amen. <laughs> Very good. Uh, thank you all. And uh, thank you for um, uh, raising me upright in this congregation. And for the short time you did. And um, thank you for letting me be here. It's the first time I preached in three years, other than my father's memorial service, in this building. And uh, it's just great. And it's great to teach here. So. Thank you for everything. And thank you, Brian. Where did I sit? <laughs>